right, kids, you guys can all head on upstairs. I know this weekend was also the state wrestling and uh, amazing to me how many of our wrestlers are part of our church family too and it, it's uh, it's enjoyable to watch we have several kids that are in uh, FFA and some of those kids are on their way home uh, from California today too from a trip that they took and I don't know it's fun as as the church continues to grow I, I just really enjoy uh, seeing all the the uh, different things that our uh, church family is involved in, and uh, it just reminds me of what an impact that we can have on our community if we will uh, use whatever God has given us for his honor and his glory. And I pray that we always do that, and I pray that God continues to bless us as we uh, seek to serve him. And we're going to start a, a short series, be a seven-week series or so anyway, that I, I was um, really been struggling on what to do on Sunday mornings, and we're starting, we're kicking off uh, Revelation tonight at five, and so if you can come, love for you to come, and if for some reason you're not able to be here, you can watch it on the live stream, and uh, love for you to, to be a part of that, but I was talking to Wes and, and Thane this week, and they can actually have a good idea every once in a while. Uh, and uh, they, uh, Wes had said, well, why don't you do a short series on Sunday morning on the seven churches that it's uh, uh, written about in chapter two and three, and on Sunday nights, you can kind of go around it. You can start with chapter one and then move on later. And I thought, you know what? That's not a bad idea. So that's what we're going to do. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the uh, seven different local churches that uh, John uh, was writing to and, and uh, uh, showing them some areas of, of strength and showing them some areas of weakness that they had. And, and uh, you know, it just really is relevant to us today. And so that's what we're going to do. And so we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2 today. And Lord willing, look at the first seven verses today. We're going to be looking at the church that was at Ephesus. And you can go back, and I, I believe that um, most of what we read about Ephesus is in uh, Acts chapter 19, I believe, is, is the story of that. I don't, for time's sake, didn't want to go back there for that. But just want to uh, give you a little bit of uh, information about Ephesus, the city, and uh, it also will give us a little bit of a, a look into the, the church that was there. One of, the, one of my favorite books in the New Testament is the book of Ephesians. And you will find uh, Ephesians is very powerful. And we're going through that now on Wednesday nights. And uh, I found that the first three chapters of Ephesians is a, uh, really is a, a dissertation on uh, a believer's salvation and all that is entailed in that. And then uh, chapters 4, 5, and 6 is a practical application of your salvation and walking in a way that we ought to as uh, saved individuals. And, and uh, so 
we, we see that at one time that church in Ephesus was a pretty powerful church and uh, had grown and, and uh, was used greatly by God. And so it uh, seems like the first uh, missionary journey Paul went through there, as Paul always does, preaching the gospel. And, uh, and then there was a, a teacher who wasn't uh, uh, very well equipped and had some, uh, some weaknesses by the name of Apollos that was there teaching those believers. By the time Paul comes back, second missionary journey, gets some of those things taken care of, and uh, we see that that church grows into something pretty powerful. And when Paul writes Ephesians in around 61, uh, A.D., that we know that at that time that it was a, a thriving church. Now, when we get to uh, the Revelation, chapter 2, we find that John writes this about 30 years later to that church that was there at Ephesus, and we see some some issues that that have gone on. And And I look at this and think that how easily all of us can fall prey to some of the very things that happened uh, here in the church of Ephesus, and we want to guard against that, and it reminds me how quickly these things can take place. In just 30 years, we see that, that uh, de-escalation in, in uh, what they were doing. And so uh, some of the information about Ephesus, I, I, I love history, I, I like geography, I like to, to uh, read about the city itself and in studying that. It was a very important city. It was right along an important highway that uh, of trade and for the Roman Empire, and and so it, it had a lot of uh, commercial trade. It had a natural harbor that so the the ships could come into this natural harbor. Now they were having some struggles even during Paul's time that the silt kept moving into the harbor and and was making it so shallow that. They were having a hard time getting the boats to get in there, and so they were, uh, during a period of time, they were spending uh, time digging out the silt and trying to keep the harbor open, and and through the years, they just ended up losing interest in that and not working as hard to uh, continue to keep that ship trade uh, what it needed to be, and by the time you get to John's time, that we see that the, the commercial trade through the shipping had pretty much died off. But there's more reasons than just the, the silt that was there. It was the attitude that came with that, and, and they stopped doing that because they had found uh, ways to make money and commerce in some other ways. And uh, one of those was that uh, the, the land around it was very rich and fertile, and so they were able to have commerce through through the uh, the land itself, but then it was also it was a became a, a city of worship, idol worship, and it was there that Diana was uh, the the main uh, idol that they worshipped. She was the goddess of fertility, the goddess of virginity and childbearing, and and so with that it brought what idol worship will bring. It brought a lot of the the, the wicked behavior, the, the prostitution uh, became very prevalent. The silversmiths who were building the, the little small idols to represent Diana were, were very wealthy. And, and so not only were they then full of idol worship, but it also became a city that was very superstitious. And, 
And so that mentality started taking over, and that mentality, they could make more money by uh, building these little idols, and, and they could make more money from the prostitution and all of the junk that would have gone with that immoral lifestyle, and, and it became easy, and so they became a little more apathetic when it came to digging out the harbor and, and actually making money in an honest way that, that would be blessed by God, and, and so that mentality ended up killing the city. It became one that was very sensuous and ungodly and lazy and self-centered. And, and so by the time John writes this in Revelation, you find, and this is what we have to be careful with, is that you find that the mentality that had taken over that city and that culture had infiltrated into the church. Now, you'll, you'll understand that as we get into this and in, in, in their, the fellowship that they had with Christ. We'll see that. And so let us make sure that we learn from this and, and guard against these things. So in Revelation chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 1. And it tells us, under the angel of the church of Ephesus write. Now, you can go back into chapter 1 and we'll deal more detail with that in, in uh, chapter 1. But we'll see that the angel that he's talking about is the pastor of that church that was there in the church of Ephesus. And, and so here it's a very restrictive, it's a special representative of, of the church, a messenger of the church. And obviously we'll see that through this that it's the pastor that he's talking to. And uh, he's writing that then to the church of Ephesus and a local congregation just like we are now. I, I know that in Ephesus there were probably more than one church there because uh, unlike what we can do now, and, and even like Jerusalem in the beginning, Jerusalem, the, the first church in, in Jerusalem was, was huge at one time, was very large. I mean, in, in one time that, that Peter preaches to those who are there, we had uh, 3,000 saved, later 5,000 saved. Now, I know some of them would have moved on back to their hometowns, but that church would have been very large. And, now, and then we know and understand because of that, it brought great persecution from the religious zealots that uh, were intimidated by that. And so we know that God dispersed those believers all over the known world at that time, and, and God used that. And so uh, by, by this time, Jerusalem is so persecuted and beaten down that there was no way that they were going to meet in big congregations. They were meeting in homes. They were meeting down by the riverbanks and places where, where they were uh, avoiding the uh, persecution that was coming. And so here we know that in Ephesus there were probably several local churches that were scattered throughout the city. But here we see that uh, he's writing to them, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. You know, a couple of things, and I won't stay long on this, but a couple of things that I think it's wise that, that we understand is, is that, that if a pastor is, is truly qualified and called by God and, and equipped by God in preaching the word of God, then that pastor needs to rest in the knowledge and in the security and the confidence that he is in the very hand of Jesus Christ and that he is completely safe there and that's the one that he needs to look to. That's the one that he needs to 
find his, his encouragement. He's the one that that he ought to be, uh, that pastor ought to be representing his Savior and glorifying Jesus in all that he's doing and knowing that while he's doing that, that he is perfectly safe. You also, as a congregation, need to know that. You need to know that your pastor isn't perfect, and you guys all know that, and, and uh, it doesn't take long for you to figure that out and say, I mean, you can get me off and, and into, in, into carnality so quick by just saying polis. But we're not going to do that today. <laughs> but the thing that we need to understand that as long as your pastor, and, and one day, look, if God tarries one day, I won't be here. And I would hope that you guys will bring in another man that, that loves God, loves his word, and loves people. And, and that he will stay true to the, to the word of God. But in, in, as long as I am walking with God and being biblical and, and, and not doing something that would disqualify me from the ministry, you need to understand that I'm in God's hands and that we need to follow the Lord Jesus. And, and as long as I'm doing that, follow me and let's do what it is that God's shown us that we ought to do. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, the pastor just wants to surround himself with yes men. That's not the case. I want people to be thinkers, but also don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of no men. And so we ought to figure out together that this is God's will, and these are the things that God wants, and let's move forward. And many of those times, he lays those things on uh, the direction on the pastor, and he and he, and he uh, brings that and talks to his deacons, and the deacons can see that. And we come to the congregation, and together we make the decision, this is what God is wanting us to do. And so remember that, and remember the, 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 the one that holds him in his hand is, is Christ. And one day I will give an account to the great shepherd for the kind of shepherd that I've been. And I need to make sure and take that seriously and, and understand that, and you also need to understand in that, that sometimes that you may come to me with what you think is a good idea, but in years of ministry and, and years of dealing with people and years of studying the Bible, you can see that in itself that might not be a bad idea, but you can see all these things that might come from that that could cause some real problems. And sometimes your pastor may not agree totally with you that everything is a great idea. And why? Because he wants to watch and care for your souls. And he is very careful on the direction that our church ought to go and the things that we ought to do. And, and uh, I'll just keep erring on, the, on the, uh, the careful side and the biblical side of things as best I can. And uh, you'll see that. And I hope that through that you'll understand that it's not just being narrow-minded, but it truly is caring about uh, who you are and what God wants us to be. So anyway, he holds the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Tells us in verse 20 of chapter 1 that those seven golden candlesticks are the church. Those seven churches that he's talking about. You know why it's terrifying? What's terrifying is that God also warns us down in later on that he can remove those candlesticks. He can remove that candlestick totally from a community. Isn't that scary? I, I think it's terrifying to think that 
that God, in, in whether it be through the, the infiltration of the world into the, the church itself, where though the church may still exist in building and in name, but there's no power of God upon that church any longer, and, and they're unbiblical in their practices, and they're unbiblical in, in what they're teaching and what they're preaching. And, and just like Brother Camp said this morning, that if you have a pastor that, that says that abortion is okay, you need to get out of there because God's hand is not on that church any longer. God's hand of blessing is not on that pastor any longer. You, you cannot say that, that supporting and, and the LGBTQ and whatever all the others are now, that, that if you say that you support that, then you're, you're not going to have God's hand of blessing on you because those things are sin, just like lying, just like cheating, adultery, fornication, those things, they're all sin, okay? And, and it's not that we hate whoever is doing that. We do not do that. The devil tries to get people to say that and believe that, but that is not the case. You hate the sin. You love the sinner. You take them where they are, and you help them get where they need to be, but you can't do that if you tell them that you can live in your sin and be okay. It doesn't work. And so here we, but we see that there are many churches, and sometimes God just completely removes it, shuts the doors, sells the building, moves out and no gospel witness in that area boy how scary could that be you know we need to understand that god doesn't need us but he wants to use us but we're going to have to do it god's way for him to use us and so he goes on and and so he he walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks do you know that when you walked in here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, that you have the Holy Spirit of God who's indwelling in you, and, and do you know that, that the Holy Spirit is in the midst of us today, that, that the Holy Spirit is a person, and that, that if you are sitting here today as a born-again believer, that you have all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get. But he walks in the midst of us, and, and he's pleased with us when our heart is open to his word and 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 our mind is is set for obedience to God and and listening to him and worshiping him today and fellowshipping with other believers and praying with the right spirit and and, and having the right kind of an attitude and not sitting here all defensive or or all judgmental about whoever it is that's sitting next to you or someone that you saw that you remember what they've done in their past life well get past that Jesus can change anybody and so we, we need to understand that, that he walks among us today. Oh, that ought to help us in our worship for God. And, and then he goes on and he tells the believers there at Ephesus, he says, I know thy works. He recognizes them. He, he understands what we're doing and what they're doing. And, and, and he recognizes their works that they have and and isn't it nice to know that whenever we are doing the things that God wants us to do, he will always remember them. He doesn't forget any one of those works that we have done for him. And, and we know that one day he will bring those to mind. And, and so he knows the churches and he, and he knows their deeds, their actions. He knows their accomplishments that they have. And, and then he goes on and he says, and thy labor. When we think about labor, it means toil and to the point where you are weary of 
what you're doing. You know what? Sometimes, and, and I, I appreciate how, how many people get involved in Platte Valley Baptist Church. I, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I just am thankful for that. I'm thankful for how many rally around a family that loses a loved one and, and they, they help with the funeral. And I mean, that's become a huge ministry for our church family. And people take off work and people take off time from what they're doing to come and to serve and to minister to not only people in our church, but people in our community. And then I see people who are, who are weary and tired and working, uh, you know, 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day. And then they'll show up on a, on a, uh, a Tuesday night and, and help with 90 screaming kids for an hour and a half and, and, and put time into that and, and do that. And, and I'm thankful for that. I see the guys that come in on a Monday night in Conqueror's class who've been working their tails off and and, and stay there and minister and help others in that conqueror's class. I, I, I'm amazed at, at the, the coaches that we have that deal with our little kids that, uh, uh, that are wrestling. And just two weeks, we had, a, we, we had one of the young men who was in our wrestling crew that trusted Christ the next morning. We, we've had 15 children trust Christ in the last two weeks in our children's ministries. And that's because of the endeavors and, and the labor of those who are in our church family. And so it doesn't go uh, uh, unnoticed by God. And most of it doesn't go unnoticed by me. But praise the Lord, God's a lot better at it than I am. He sees it all. And oh, how thankful we ought to be. And here he tells the Ephesians, I know your works, I know your labor, and, and I know your patience. That perseverance that you show, the, the steadfastness that you have, and, and steadfastness not only in works and labor, but steadfastness in doctrine and, and in the purity of the Word of God and, and preaching and teaching what it says and, and even practicing what it says and, and, and how important that is that, that we ought to be doing that. Now, in their case, we'll see that they had kept the, the purity of the doctrine but they wasn't so much keeping the application of it. We'll see that in a moment. And he says, so I know these things, and, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. You're, you, you aren't running with those that are evil. You, you aren't just what we saw this morning in, in the separation. That, and I had no idea what he was preaching this morning, but how, how God always uses that to bring a, a message and a theme together and, and showing us that, the importance of those things, and, and, and here that we need to be careful as a church body and as believers that we do not profane the holy. Be careful of that. And then as we come together in corporate worship is what we are here today doing. Let us not profane the holy. Let us not do things that, that makes the, the world, the unsaved world, feel comfortable in here. Uh, that, that isn't what the case is here. That's not what we want to do. We want to worship a holy and a righteous God. And we come to him humbly. And, and, and yes, we'll take people where they are, but we don't want them to stay there. We want to help them get where they need to be. And so we don't want to profane the holy. And, and so here it says that they didn't either, and they couldn't bear them, which are evil, and, and they... Uh, uh, thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not 
and has found them liars. They even pointed out those that were teaching false doctrine and, and they were uh, false uh, teachers all over. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. In 1 John 4, John wrote this to believers also in verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You, you know, one thing that you can do in trying the spirits is just sit back and don't say anything. Just watch. It says that you will know them by their fruits. And so you just watch and see what kind of fruit is manifested in, in their teaching and what they're telling you. And hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus... <coughs> whoops, I just turned my... <coughs> and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Oh, we know that there is an Antichrist spirit out there today, and many who are promoting that, and so let us be careful with that. And, and here he said that these guys, the, the, uh, the church there at Ephesus, were doing that. They were, they were doing a lot of good things. I mean, they were right down the line in their practice of what they were doing and and it says and has borne and and to to endure patiently and and has patience and and again remaining steadfast for my name's sake has labor and is not fainting all they've done they've done it for the name of Jesus they didn't want honor and glory through that they 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 didn't want any uh, uh, accolades from from the world or anything they were doing it for Jesus, for his name. That's pretty good, isn't it? Praise the Lord for the commendations that they had and, and the things that they were doing and, and how powerful that must have been in their community. But then he goes on, nevertheless, uh, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. As it says when we get to the end days that the love will wax cold. You ever seen a marriage that waxed cold? You ever had a relationship with a friend that waxed cold? I mean, what happened? You ever asked yourself, what happened? You know, what happened in that marriage? What, what happened in the friendship that, that, that would, would cause something like that? What, what would, you see, we, we, have to, we have to fight so much of the teaching of our world today. Our, our world gives us such a carnal, shallow picture and definition of what love is. You know, that they want to tell you that love is only an emotion. And because it's only an emotion, that it can be carried away, and, 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 and it's like a, a sea of waves, and, and you're just riding the wave, and, and it takes you this way, and then it takes you that way. And, and it seems like in Ephesians 4, it tells us that those that are like that are just carried about with every wind of doctrine. And, and so we, there's nothing that we can do about it. We're just swept away in this love that, that, the, that all that is is fleshly lust. It comes and goes. But you find out that love is more than, I, it is an emotion. But it's far more than an emotion. It's also a choice. 
And it's a choice that you make to love someone. Sam and Melanie have chosen that, you know what, we're going to love each other for 46 years and stay together through whatever comes. That's love. That, that isn't the world's idea of love. That is where, you know what, some days I'm just guessing, okay, but I, I would probably safely say in the 46 years that there's been a couple of times where Sam hasn't been very lovable. Just a couple. Just a couple of times. <laughs> you know what? His wife, hmm. You know what? She just decided that she was going to love him anyway. And I, and I, this is, I'll tell you, I, I told you I've been, I worked on a message for two, two weeks and just decided it was for me, okay? And then here we get into this, and, and the message was, how do you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength? I, I have been asking myself that question for a month. God, how, how do I love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Oh, we could write the definition. We can write it out. But do I? Do I? Do you? You know, do, do, do you really love? Do you really love the Lord like, like we ought to love him? I, I, I mean, I, I think of this, and, and, and I think about even when I was saved as a child and, and that first love that you had towards the Savior and, 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 and what he meant to, to me at the time. And, and, and honestly, it was later in years when, when I got my heart right with God. And, and then that's when I really realized how much he loves me and, and, and brought such a love and a desire and, and to, uh, a willingness to, to do whatever it is that he told me to do. And, and, and during that, it was exciting. I mean, it was exciting. Teresa and I, had, uh, we, were, we were engaged. I was preaching in churches every Sunday. By the time we got, we got married, I had married and buried I don't know how many people and, you know, and was, was serving the Lord and, and was excited. And then Teresa and I in that young ministry and preaching. And, man, I would have preached anywhere. I, I, I preached in a church that had, a, you know, five people and, and one white-tailed deer looking in the window. I didn't care where it was at. I preached in a graveyard, you know. didn't matter. You just preached wherever. And, and the excitement of, of what God had done and changed my life and turned me around and, and given me all of the, the, the blessings of God. And, and from that very first day, God, I, I'm, and, and I, can I tell you this, not just for full-time ministry. It needs to be in everybody's life. I told God when we first got married, God, Sunday is your day. It'll always be your day, and I want to give you that day, and there is nothing going to get in the way of that. Why don't you do the same thing and see how God blesses you? And I just think about all the things. Man, I had family members. You know, Shannon, you need to kind of calm it down. You know, you're getting a little radical and almost acting cultish. I don't care. I love Jesus. You know what? You just keep doing what it is that God wants you to do. And it was so exciting. And then, you know, here we've been here almost 26 years. And, and then I start working on, I'm just really being pretty open here with you guys. But I start thinking of that, reading that passage. I read it in my devotions and then just chewing on it and thinking about it. And loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and body, it, tells us in Mark, Matthew leaves off the word body, but, but in all of the heart, soul, mind, and, and I think, am I? 
am I really there? And then I turn around and I, I, I slip that message underneath my calendar in my desk where I can pull it out every once in a while and think more on it. And, and then I turn around and I get to this and then he says, you, lost, you left your first love. Well, thank you, Lord. I'm trying to run from this and get away from this and here you bring it up again. Do we still have that? Guys, do you still look at your wife with that twinkle in your eye and just so thankful for the bride that God has given you? I, I, I tell you what, it, it's far more than a twinkle. The longer you stay together and the closer you get to the Lord, the more you're going to love her. The love that I had for my wife in 1989 is pales in comparison to what I have for her today. And so, and I'm thankful for that, thankful for how God uses that. But, but I think about that with God, and is my walk like that? A am, I, am I really there in my life where I can honestly tell God, Lord, I love you, and I love you with all my heart, and I love you with all my soul, I love you with all my mind, I love you with all my body. And I don't want to leave my first love, I, I don't want to walk away from what I had when we were young and and I don't want to walk away from that that focus that that was there and and I don't want to get caught up in in just doing what it, look I know far more now about what's right than I did then and I know far more about doctrine and the purity of it and 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 the importance of being the kind of pastor I ought to be and and doing all of those things and and loving people and you know I'm always praying God help me to love people like you love them, but maybe I'll start saying, Lord, help me to love you like you love me. And, and to make sure that I'm not just going through the motions, and let us make sure that we as a church aren't just going through the motions. Well, i got to go to Quam again tonight. I told him I'd do a table, and so that's what I'm going to do, or I'm doing the games tonight, or I'm the one teaching the verse, or I'm the one teaching the story, and, and they're really dependent on me to do it. And, and instead, maybe we ought to say, Lord, here's another opportunity that I can show you how much I love you. And so what if I'm tired? So what if it's been a busy day? So what if there's been all kinds of chaos in the world today? If I've had it, so have these kids. And Lord, tonight is a night where I can show them the love of Christ in a way that, that, that maybe they've never seen before or never been shown to be appreciated and loved like they ought to or whatever, you know, whatever we're doing. You wake up on a Sunday morning. You've been playing around on Saturday. That's why don't mess with a pastor on a Saturday. I'm serious. I just don't do a whole lot on a Saturday. Definitely by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, leave me alone. I just don't, don't think, hey, Pastor, why don't you come over and we'll play games until midnight. Not. We're not even going to do that on a Friday night anymore. But, oh, how we need to get back. And so you can understand here, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Why are you here today? You don't have to answer it out loud, but why are you here today? I mean, first and foremost, it ought to be because we love him. And, and maybe you came today because you want to know about that love. I want you to know that Jesus Christ that loves you and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He shows us how much he loves us every day, doesn't he?
well, maybe we ought to do the same thing. And he goes on. I mean, they, had, they were doing the right things, and they were toiling until they were tired. But they had forgotten the most important thing, the fellowship that they ought to have, the love that they ought to have with their Savior. So caught up in protecting certain things and doing certain things that they've left out the most important thing. Remember, so then he gives us a three-step to get it right. He gives us three commands. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. When did that happen? When did your love start waxing cold? I don't know. Maybe it was a job promotion. Maybe it was a particular fight with your wife. Maybe it was a particular loss in your family. Maybe it, it was just a a series of stressors that, that came in your life. I, I don't know. Maybe it's you hit midlife crisis. Well, I have no idea what it might be, but he tells us here that you need to remember those things. You need to keep in mind and go back in your mind and say, okay, this is where it happened. This is when I see things changing in that relationship, that in the fellowship that I have. And and so he commands us to remember those things. And then he tells us, next command, repent. Change your mind on those things. Turn away from it. I don't want to do that, God. I don't want to wax cold towards you. I don't want to fall out of love with you. I don't want to get caught up in, in just doing things because it's an obligation and, and just caught up in the rut of, of just walking this life and 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 instead i want to do it in a way that is in love with you repent of those things it you know what you might find too it might have been something good that the devil ended up bringing to you a point where it became bad Does that make sense be careful be careful with those things and so that's the second command. Third one, then he tells us, he, he says that, remember, repent, and do the first works. Now go do what you were doing, but now do it with a, with, with a re-energized, an emphasis upon the love that you have for your Savior. He didn't say to redo everything you're doing. He said, now go do your works. Do those first works that you were doing. Or else. That's you ever get that from your parents? James, you need to do this or else. Did he take care of his leg the way he should have? Because Dorothy said, James, you're gonna do what the doctor said or else. And so here, what does he say? He says, Or else I will come unto thee quickly. And will remove thy church out of his place, except thou repent. Now, I know he's talking, he's talking to the pastor. The pastor's bringing that message to the church. So, first of all, the pastor better keep his nose in line. And secondly, the church better keep their nose in line. And we better do it the way God wants us to do it. And, and here... As we do it, don't get so caught up in the doing that we forget who we're doing it for. And not only do we not forget who we're doing it for, 
but we are constantly cultivating the fellowship that we ought to have with our Savior. And so here, why? Because otherwise, he might, he might remove, how, how scary would it be that he remove his hand of blessing off my life and off the ministry of Platte Valley Baptist Church and off of your lives? Terrifying, isn't it? So we don't want to do that. You know, the best way to do that is just make sure. Wake up in the morning. Lord, I love you. I know I fail you, but I do love you. And I want to love you more today than I did yesterday. And like I said in my own prayer that I need to start, Lord, I want to love you like you love me. If we'll do that, we won't get in trouble. And so then... But this thou hast, so he goes back and he commends them again. Thou hast hated the deeds of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now I know a couple of things. The Nicolaitans at the time were, were very licentious. And by that, they, they were just, whatever behavior you wanted to do was fine with them. Okay? That was Ephesus. All right? That, that's whatever, it's like Las Vegas of the day. Okay? And so whatever feels good, go do it. It's all okay. That's fine. That's one way that he could be meaning that. It also, the word Nicolaitans means people conqueror. So it could also have the idea that, that maybe what this church had done too is that they had become so dominating upon this is what we will do because this is what the doctrine says this is what the Bible says, and we're going to do this, and there was absolutely no love in doing it. It could mean either one. Maybe it meant both. I don't know. Either one of them is not good. And he said, you guys hated that, and you didn't practice that. Maybe they had gotten to the point where they loved the people more than they loved Jesus. And in doing that, that can get you in trouble too. And so what does he say? He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, to the one who conquers. He's not, the Nicolaitans were people conquerors. Here he's saying to those who overcometh, those who are, those who are truly conquerors. You know, a, a great explanation of this is 1 John 5 and verse 5. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So here, how do you overcome? Trusting Jesus. You trust him as your Savior. Then you trust him as your provider. You trust him as your leader, as your shepherd. And that he guides you and directs you in the way that you ought to go. And will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God? And why do we do it? Because one day, it'll all be worth it. It'll all be worth it. So let's make sure that we don't leave our first love. Maybe that is the message that God has been trying to give me for the last three weeks. And maybe today was the conclusion of that how, how do you love the lord thy god with all thy heart soul mind and strength well you know what keep doing the things that you're doing that are doctrinally right but 
Just make sure that you're including Jesus in it, in your relationship every day. Talking to him, confessing things that need to be confessed, repenting of those things that need to be repented of, moving forward in the things that you ought to be doing. And you're doing it all through the drive of the love of our Savior. You know what? We do that if we do that. There is no telling what God can do with Platte Valley Baptist Church in Morgan County, Colorado. I have no doubt. God can do something even far more spectacular than what we've seen. This could be just the tip of the iceberg of what God wants to do with believers right here today. So what hinders you today? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've been struggling. Lord, do I really love you the way that I ought to? Ask him. Just ask him. Lord, is there something in my life that's holding me back from doing that? What is it that I love more than you? What, what is it that, that has, has brought me to a place where maybe I am waxing cold? Get back to where you need to be and find God use you greatly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Father, that you will bless and guide us today. I pray, Father, that you will do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. And Lord, as you told us, you are in the midst of us today. And so, Father, I pray as you are in the midst of us today that you're pricking the heart of everybody that's here. Encouraging, reproving, rebuking, correcting. That you're showing us things that need to change for good, for bad, whatever. Just show us that need to stop or start doing something, whatever it is. And, and Lord, help us to make sure that we are cultivating the love that we ought to have for you. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. We all do. We thank you for this opportunity. And I pray now that you'll be pricking the hearts of those. And Father, you'll lead them right now to make a decision for what they know that they need to do. And I pray that you guide and lead us in that, whatever we need to do, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.